Hello, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of the Stitches Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Manderfeld. I've got Robert Sangler and Nick Ludig with me, as always. And as promised last week, we are going to uh, dive into something pretty awesome here starting today and going on for the next few weeks. We've created a bracket of 32 players, um, age 28 or under, all pitchers. And we're going to go line by line and see who is the best uh, pitcher for the next generation of baseball. You can find that bracket on our Facebook page. It's at Stitches Pod on Facebook if you want to take a look. But you can also just listen to the podcast because we'll be going through it um, matchup by matchup. Um, guys, I'm excited for this one. We did it a couple of years ago with uh, position players. And now we're doing it with uh, pl- uh, pitchers. We've cut it down in half to make it a little more concise. And... Um, I think there's going to be some pretty good matchups in this first round and going forward. Robert, I'm, I mean, pitchers, um, they're fun to talk about. Maybe didn't get as much love on our last one, but here we are. Yeah, this is going to be a very debatable topical episode, whatever you want to use the word choice here. But I think I'm going to expect a lot of upsets in this first round, believe it or not, because we're talking about the long term, the longevity of the career. We're not talking about the now. So the guys who even are doing so well right now in baseball aren't necessarily the best pitchers, say, five years from now. So we're talking about the whole grand scheme of things, their careers. That's what basically a scout does, too. So here we are. We're being scouts today. Yeah, Robert's dream. Nick, uh, what are you looking forward to with this one? Uh, I Kind of what Robert was talking about. It's kind of a lot of upsets. Um, I feel like when our, pl- our position player wanted to go out to really get some some heated conversations, but uh, I think we got some some wild ones right now. Some some older guys that kind of had some injuries, but are still starting to put out, and some some up and comers to see if they actually pan out. So it'll be a fun to- up topic. For sure, man. Well, let's go over the criteria, and then we'll dive into to everything. Number one, they had to be age 28 or younger as of today, the recording of the first episode. So there were some pitchers who were 28 uh, during the 2021 season, um, but did not make the cut because they just turned 29 actually this month. There was one, Jordan Montgomery, whose birthday is actually December 27th when we're recording this. So he may maybe would have made the cut. A Joe Musgrove type, some of those guys did not make it. Um, so that's why they're not on this list. Number two, we did the uh, the seeding by 2021 war. We had to have some type of way to seed them. Um, we couldn't do it kind of by off our off our brains because obviously our, our opinions are different. So we had to pick something, and we did 2021 war. So that's why you see the seedings that you do. And it actually did create some pretty good matchups, so I'm actually happy we did that. Um, so, yeah, those those were essentially the two big things that we, we took into consideration here. And as Robert said, to, uh, it might be a little bit different for all of us, but we're really just judging off what the career will look like going forward. So um, long-term, uh, the baseball's next great pitcher. That's what we're calling this. So that means what they're going to do in their career. Um, we'll be here. We're going to be doing this for a few more weeks. So make sure to follow on. We're on social media at Stitches Pod. We're on uh, on Facebook and Twitter. And our email is Podcast at gmail.com if you've got any questions or comments. You can find our updated brackets on those social media platforms as well. We'll be posting stuff there week to week, as long as some clips of our heated debates during the episodes. All right, boys, let's start this thing. And uh, we're going to start things right from the top here. It's the number one against the number 16 in the left side of the bracket. It's Corbin Burns for the Brewers 
against Shane Baz of the Rays. Baz, I don't, I don't think I've ever said that right. <laughs> but uh, it's one for sixteen. Burns is the one. Uh, Shane Baz is the is the number sixteen. Robert, we'll start with you, man. Oh, uh, what do you on. think about this matchup, and who do you got going forward here? Man. Well, this is a good matchup because Shane Baz. When he first came up, blew out people with one of the best performances I've ever seen in a rookie against the Toronto Blue Jays. Talk about thrown into the fire. Faced a dominating lineup. Had a really good fastball, 95 to 98. Had pretty good breaking ball as far as the slider goes. And then he had a nice equalizing changeup that even was so much better than his breaking stuff. And this is his first start. We haven't seen a lot of starts out of him at the major league level. We've seen some struggles with him in the minors. Had a little bit of control issues, but he does strike out a lot of guys. And if you look at the body of work, this guy has a very consistent delivery. Maybe one of the best consistent deliveries out of this whole bracket as far as just the age group. And I think it's really tough that this guy has to go up against the Cy Young of last year, Corbin Burns, who has just absolutely disgusting stuff, who doesn't throw a normal fastball. It's like the easiest way to say it. I mean, it's a cutter. Basically, his cutter is his fastball, and he uses it more than anyone else. And it's a pitch that you just don't see anymore in today's game of baseball. Or excuse me, in the old days of baseball as it is now, as it's become more relevant. And it's just really tough for me to pick on this one. Because I think Shane Boz has the upside to become a top 10 pitcher in baseball in like four years. He's just that good. It's just too consistent. And everything he throws is so crisp. And I know that it sounds so bold and bullish because he's going against one of the best pitchers in the game in Corbin Burns. But Burns has only had a year and a half. And that half was the COVID season. I know everybody had that too, but it's not a full season of work. And he's only had 160-plus innings last year when he won the Cy Young. So there isn't a lot of innings still on him, and he's not that young for this bracket as well, whereas Boz's upside is enormous right now. So I'm actually going to go on the huge upside here, excuse me, upset, not upside, and say that Boz should beat Corbin Burns because I don't like the consistency in the delivery, too much max effort with the cutter with Burns, think he's at a good place right now. He's going to have another two, three really good years, and then we're going to start seeing a decline with him. Well, I, we can always count on Robert to, to bring the, you know, the, <laughs> the interesting heat. takes. Absolutely. So, Nick, what do you think? Um, I think it, it is an interesting one for a lot of the same points that Robert brought up. Um, I mean, I was a huge Burns fan when he was coming up, and even when he started to struggle, I thought he was a, a bullpen-bound guy too. Um, obviously, he found it. This past season, the shortened season, and then this past year too, winning the Cy Young with with an amazing cutter, even if it is mass mass mask max effort, um, I think it's still an amazing pitch, and I think it's still worse for him. The concern with Boz is that he has really sketchy control sometimes, even with that amazing delivery. It's still kind of out of the norm. Whereas Burns, kind of, he maybe had a couple of rough stretches here, but he's always been known as a solid control type pitcher has good command of all of his pitches his fastballs his his change up his curveballs all have been solid pitches for him it was just kind of a matter of time for him to put it together with his injuries so to me I think it's it's Burns has always had the upside that that Boz has it's just been injuries that have kind of held him back so I think if anything Boz his his peak which is a solid peak would be a, a Burns type pitcher but I think Burns is already there and he's already proving it so to me, I think I have to go with Corbin Burns just because he has it. He's he's starting to prove it. He may be older, but I mean, you see a lot of these pitchers. It takes some time to get going, and I think Corbin Burns is in the is in the beginning of a prime for him. Whereas Boz, the control is still an issue for me. I think that's something he has to figure out. We've seen that with a lot of raised pitchers, and if he start turns into just that five inning guy that they like to do, it's that's that's the big limiter for me. Is 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 what's he going to do with that control, and if he's going to limit that. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm having to agree with Nick here and go with Corbin Burns as well. I mean, we've just seen an insane season from him for the last year and a half and then for 2021. If you look at his stat cast numbers, I mean, it's all 90, 90th percentile and above, including like, the spin rates. And that, for me, is if you can kind of put the, the results with the spin rate is kind of the differentiator. We see people with high spin, not good results. You see people with good results, not good spin. But if you have good results and high spin, you've put that up for you know a year and a half. That tells me that there's some long-lasting um, potential here for them to, to be good for a while. And Robert, you're right about the cutter, man. He jumped that up from 30% to 50% usage in 2021. And he got a lot more strikeouts. And his control just took leaps and bounds forward. And so um, for that reason, I mean, I, I've got to go Corbin Burns here. But Shane Bott, you said tough matchup for him. First yeah, I mean, I think he's he is one, good. Of the best six, I mean, I think one of the best top be, 16 out of that. I think you know, he could beat a lot of the guys seed. on this bracket. Yes, but, it's just unfortunate um, he goes up against a Cy Young winner. And that's how it goes. That's how it goes <laughs> yeah, in this this game of ours. We okay. like to keep things that's interesting. Right. Yeah. It's not the best way to find someone, but it's the most fun way in my opinion. So, um, yeah. So I, I think Corbin Burns moves on there with a with a vote from Nick and I and uh, Robert. Thanks for making things spicy in the first round. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's move to the other side of the bracket with the one seed Walker Bueller against sixteen Sixto Sanchez. A lot of sixes and s's in that one. Um, for me, I'm going to have to go Walker Bueller here. Um, you know, no big upset in this bracket, I don't think, or this part of the bracket. Um, Walker Bueller is uh, has put it up for even longer than Corbin Burns has the last few years. And um, Sixto Sanchez has had some issues staying healthy already. And we're talking about a guy who has moved organizations once already and still has yet to really make a significant debut in the major leagues. So, um, yes, he has great potential, great fastball. But I don't know when we'll see him, and if we see him, we don't know what the results we're going to get. And Walker Buehler, on the other hand, has been a Cy Young candidate for more than a year now. So going Walker Buehler on this one, and I assume, well, we'll see. What do you guys think? <laughs> uh, I I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and agree with you on that. I think he Buehler has proven he's proven in the playoffs. Um, he's been a steady pitcher. He's turning into the ace of that staff now with Kershaw out. Um, and like you said, Sixto, he has the stuff. He has the the the, the well renowned changeup. Um, but it's always a concern when guys have injuries and when they're on their second organization, whether it's just the other team didn't value as high as they should have or, or what's going on, that they saw something here and there. But uh, to me, I think I have to go with Bueller. I like Sixto a lot, but uh, Bueller has just proven it again, kind of with the same conversation with Burns. What do you yeah, think, Robert? I mean, yeah, Sixto having those shoulder problems. We talk about elbow issues being the biggest issue nowadays, but shoulder is still a huge one. It's right up there with elbows and I tell you what, Cicero's got really good stuff. Sanchez has great stuff. But the thing is, Bueller's been doing it for years, and he's been so consistent with the Dodgers, with Kershaw on that rotation. It's just so hard to go against someone like that. And I had him winning the Cy Young last year. That didn't happen. But Bueller's just that consistent. You can almost pencil him in for a top-five Cy Young guy almost every year. And I just think his career is just going to get better. And there's even one more season in him where he's going to have a really, really good year and hopefully win that Cy Young. All right, pretty obvious one there. Now let's get into some of the good matchups here in terms of the seeding. We've got the number eight seed, Tyler. Uh, is it Molly? Am I saying that right? Molly. I, I should have really looked up these I'm going to go with Mally on this one. Yeah, I thought the A was pretty pronounced. Yeah, I'm going to go with Mally. Yeah. Tyler Mally uh, with the Reds is the eight seed going against Lance McCullers Jr. of the Astros, the nine seed. Um, we've got an interesting matchup here, guys. I mean, Mally has, been, has had one really good season, but he's also been decent in his past. And then we've got Lance McCullers Jr., who has just insane potential, but is held back by injuries and walks and all that kind of stuff. So I'm interested to see what you guys say in this one. 
Rob, will go reverse order, man. What do you think? Yeah, this one's not a tough one for me because I think Tyler Malley has a good 98-mile-hour fastball, but beyond that, he's just nothing else. I, I think he's one of the better fastball pitchers in the game when it's high in the zone, but other than that, his secondary offerings are not that great, whereas McCullers has absolutely every single pitch is a 60-plus on the 2080 scale, if not higher. He's got great breaking stuff. We know about his walks. It's definitely an issue, but he doesn't give up a lot of home runs, and that's something that is very uh, amazing by how much he walks, guys. He's limiting the damage, and that's why his ERA stays where it does, even though his whip likes to jump up because he's walking and giving up quite a bit here and there hits. But the thing about McCullers is always his injuries, but when you have such nasty breaking stuff like his sliders, curveball, his changeup can move from side to side even, and his fastball is just a nasty fastball that also plays well in the zone. He just has more pitches to offer that makes him much more valuable and stronger long-term in his career versus Tyler Malley. Uh, Nick? Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I'm always surprised by how I, – I always feel like McCullers is a lot older than he actually is, um, and he is pretty old for this bracket, but uh, I like him a lot. I think – Mally has had potential like Robert said his fastball is really good um, but he's starting to turn into a strikeout and walk guy um, that's kind of the concern with me is and he he's always pitching in that that Cincinnati Reds ballpark which is always a concern for for guys that struggle with command um, so to me it's McCullers he's proven it again he's been on the big stage and he's he carried a, an Astros team when he was healthy so that's McCullers for me is is the winner in this one all right, it is Molly, so I confirm that baseball reference. Thank you very much. I'm going to go Lance McCullers on this one, too. Although Molly had some interesting things that makes me think it could his his 2021 season could be, um, you know, not a fluke. He used that slider uh, a lot more. It jumped up, um, you know, 25% of the time. I don't even think it was a pitch of his in his arsenal the last few years. So it's a brand-new pitch. He used it quarter of the time, and he had 210 strikeouts. So I think it's not a fluke or a flash in the pan for him. But like Robert said, McCullers' stuff is just so good. And, um, you know, he always has great strikeout numbers. The concern with him is the durability. I mean, 2021 was a season high in innings with 162. Lots of walks. He actually does get hit hard quite a bit, too, with the fastball. Um, but his breaking stuff is impeccable. It's the best in the game. The slider is the best in the game. So um, I'm going McCullers just for that reason because he has way much, way more upside and Molly's actually had a few years already under his belt that were pretty insignificant. Um, so it's just a recent breakout for him. So McCullers gets the sweep here. Let's move on to the next one on the other side of the bracket here. Herman, Her, Herman Marquez, the eighth seed for the Rockies, against Luis Garcia, another Astros pitcher, is the ninth seed. Um, I'll go first on this one. I think this is an interesting one, too, because uh, we haven't really seen Herman Marquez outside of Coors Field and that's the question with him, and that that's what this matchup came down uh, for me. I love Luis Garcia. He looks good. He's really important to the Astros' postseason run this year. Um, and he's also just got a really interesting pitch mix. I mean, his fastball, it doesn't throw very hard. I mean, he averaged 93 miles an hour on the fastball, but he used it 50% of the time. And um, he got a lot of weak contact. But the best pitch he has is the cutter. He had a 42% whiff rate on it. So it's a more like one of those fastball guys not really relying a lot on the off-speed to get the strikeouts, and had good results. You know, he's a young guy, um, but he really was important to the Astros team this year. Whereas Herman Marquez, obviously we all know that the curveball is nasty, and it's one of the best in the game, but doesn't play well in Coors, even with the high spin rate. And um, for me, I, I think if Marquez wasn't in Colorado, he would win this matchup. But we don't know what his future is going to hold with Col in Colorado, and it looks like they want to keep him. 
And so for that reason, I went with Luis Garcia because I think long-term his stuff's going to play better and Marquez might not be leaving Coors Field anytime soon. So I got Luis Garcia winning this one. What do you think, Robert? Yeah, Marquez, I've liked him for a while too, but it's just so hard to speculate where he's going to go after Coors if he even stays in Coors. And Luis Garcia, like you said, Luke, the guy's really good. He's got a good slider, good cutter. His fastball command is really good when he's on. We know he's had short bursts here and there, but I think it's just the fact that he's trying to stretch out, didn't get enough innings in the minors, and so now he is in the major leagues, and they're hoping that he can stretch out and be the full potential that he can be, even though he wasn't really that highly regarded. He was up there, but he wasn't like super highly regarded in their system as they had other guys like Forrest Whitley in their farm system that were higher up on the on the hierarchy. But I will say that Garcia's just got filthy stuff. He's got great command and control. It's really hard to go against that. And because of the uncertainty with Marquez, you just got to go with Garcia. Nick, you round this one off. Yeah, I'm going to go with the sweep here. I'm th- I, kind of in the same boat as Robert. I really like Marquez. I love his stuff. Um, but like echoing what you guys said, the, the Coors Field thing is, is, is nerve-wracking to see if he stays there. Um, Garcia, when he came up, Last year, it was it was the changeup was so big for him. Everyone thought it was elite, um, and it's a good pitch. But I mean, I think this year he showed that he has more elite pitches than just his changeup, um, and he and he knows how to use them. He they play well with his other pitches. So I'm going to go with Garcia. I think he has a lot of upside down in Houston. All right, Luis Garcia wins that one, and let's move on to the four versus thirteen matchup. We've got four Trevor Rogers um, for the Marlins, and we've got Ian Anderson as the thirteen for the Braves. Um, all right, guys. Uh, this is uh, we've got Ian Anderson, who's kind of a playoff hero, but not you know he's all right in the regular season this year. Um, Trevor Rogers breakout season for him and um, a great campaign. So Robert, what do you think on this matchup? Yeah, I actually had a tough one with I had a tough time deciding this one because I think they're very equal. But you know, I've been a huge fan of Ian Anderson for so many years, and I think his changeup really plays well, even though his fastball can be questionable at times. Does play a little bit better up in the zone than it does on the corners, and he does have a pretty good offering with the curveball. But it's just tough because Rogers' stuff is just so much better. All of his stuff moves, all of his stuff when he hits the zone, but I just don't think he has enough consistency in his command that as Anderson even though his numbers don't show we're talking about the future and I think Anderson can polish it out just by a smidge I'm going to give Anderson the edge and give him my pick all right I actually went with Trevor Rogers on this one so Nick it'll come to you um, to see who who wins this matchup but you know as you know I like Trevor Rogers too Robert like you kind of like Ian Anderson and um, he showed flashes of cutting that walk rate down a little bit now that that kind of went away later in the season and so I have some concerns about the longevity of that. But um, if he can cut down that walk rate, he's an elite pitcher. And we saw that. A 2.64 ERA, but he, he had some times he was hurt there. And, uh, you know, he started off the season with a sub-2 ERA in his first several starts. And that's because the walk rate was so low. And so that's the biggest question mark for me is that. But Ian Anderson, on the other hand, I just don't think his stuff is uh, has the, the upside that Trevor Rogers does. And we're talking about long-term potential here. I think Ian Anderson's good. I think he's, you know, even really good. But I think Trevor Rogers could be elite if he cuts that walk rate down. And uh, Ian Anderson, you know, I think I could see him settling into kind of an above-average role um, with the upside of being really good. Whereas Rogers could be an ace for the Marlins. So I've got Rogers. Nick, you break this one up. Man, I have I have to go with Trevor Rogers. I really like Ian Anderson. I like what he has. I like his makeup. But I don't think there's much more of a ceiling for him. I think he is a high floor guy. I think he's got great control. That changeup's really nasty. He gets hit hard. 
um, is the problem that fastball just gets hit so hard. Not saying Trevor Rogers doesn't, because Trevor Rogers got absolutely his fastball was center cut most of the time last year, even though he how electric he is. But he has electric stuff, and I think that's the big thing. If he can, like Luke said, if he can get anything close to the zone, um, I think it, there's a chance that he he turns into that that ace for the for the Mariners for the Marlins, um, and just starts to starts to really blossom in that rotation. So I have to go with the Trevor Rogers for the win here. All right, Trevor Rogers. Not giving me a lot of leeway here. <laughs> I know you haven't. I'm you've losing been a lot. Yeah, counted I'm out losing. here. So we're gonna go to the other side of the bracket here, where the actual uh, the other ace or the actual current ace in the Marlins, Sandy Alcantara, is a four seed against Casey Mize, um, potential future ace for the Tigers. There, uh, I'll go first on this one. Um, I, I like Sandy Alcantara a lot. I mean, you throw a high ninety sinker. Um, he's kind of he kind of put that together this year in terms of putting up some really good results getting some strikeout numbers a little bit too. He's always kind of pitched to contact. It's interesting when you have a stuff, once you have stuff like that, um, you know, when he's coming up in the Cardinals farm system, he had, you know, people saw it as well. Um, Casey Mize really did struggle a little bit, you know, in his debut season. And he didn't really look like the pitcher he looked like in the minors. I mean, he did have some good control numbers in the majors, but he didn't really get a lot of strikeouts. And um, I think, you know, we're talking about a guy who had just a nasty splitter, and he still has a nasty splitter, but he's not really getting the swings and misses that you kind of expect. So I, I do have concerns about Casey Mize. I think he could, he's not going to be a bad pitcher, but Sandy Alcantara is putting up some pretty, pretty good numbers these days. And Casey Mize, I wasn't super impressed in his first season in the majors. So for that, I'm going with Sandy Alcantara. Robert. Yeah, you want to talk about electric – it's not Rodgers, it's Sandy Alcantara. The guy's got electric stuff all the way across the board. It's crazy how he doesn't get as much strikeouts as he should. I think he's about, like, what, 8.8K per nine last year or something like that. And he strikes out guys, but it's not a lot. Whereas Casey Mize, one of the biggest things that scouts had issues with with him was the splitter usage because it's so much wear and tear on the arm. It's a very volatile uh, pitch that goes with injuries. And Casey Mize, to me, just hasn't shown anything outside of his splitter as a secondary offering as an out pitch. His fastball is pretty average. It doesn't really seem like a lot for me. I think Casey Mize right now looks at a four to five starter right now because he's not showing any upside, whereas the peak is probably a three, where Sandy Alcantara could become the possible ace of the Marlins if he starts missing bats better. So I'm going Sandy Alcantara. Nick? Yeah, it's it was so surprising watching Mize and watching him struggle so much with getting back getting strikeouts with with what kind of stuff he has um but the more you look at it the more he just kind of seems like he's a he wants to get get outs which is good but he just pitches to the bat way too much whereas Alcantara he that's that like you said that sinker is just the way he can just bust that pitch in on righties and just eats him up even if he doesn't get strikeouts he's getting weak contact he doesn't get hit hard anymore um and I think that's the big thing if he can like like Robert said if he can somehow manage to 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 change it up on the guys and 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 with with more of a changeup or, or a slider or whatnot, I think he's going to change the game a lot, and I think that's that's why he's going to be so much better. I think in the future, uh, I think he's just going to get better and better with with his pitch usage. Whereas Mize, if he can't miss bats, I think it's just a concern. If worse, you don't put that fastball. If he has enough command to be a to be an ace like everyone thought he'd be. All right, so Sandy Alcantara gets a clean sweep there. Uh, going back to the left side of the bracket, we've got the five seed Jose Barrios with the Blue Jays against the twelve seed Pablo Lopez. Um, Lopez did have a good season this year, but I think Jose Barrios' consistency speaks for itself. For me, um, you know, a consistent workhorse, 
Um, he actually put up some really, really good numbers to Blue Jays' second half this year. And, um, you know, they've re-signed him, so he might have found a place to be comfortable for the next few years. Going Jose Barrios on this one, although I think Pablo Lopez is, is pretty good himself. Robert? Yeah, it's amazing how we keep talking about Marlins pitchers. Pablo Lopez, I think, has the changeup that Barrios wishes he always had. When we talked about with scouts saying Jose Barrios' best pitch was the changeup, it's definitely Lopez's best pitch, and it definitely plays very well. However, he doesn't have the strikeout stuff that Barrios has, whereas Barrios has a very good, call whatever you will, a slider, curve, slurve, whatever. It's filthy, and it's disgusting, and it's one of the best in the game. And it shows really well when he gets that sinking fastball in the outside corner. Plays very, very well to right-handed batters. I'm going with Barrios, but I think Lopez's changeup might be a top five in the game. Yeah, I think Barrios has that the consistency. He's made every start. He's pitched every inning he's been asked to. But to me, I have to go with Pablo Lopez. He's not that far off with the strikeout numbers as Barrios is. And like you said, that changeup is is lights out. It's untouchable. He uses it just as much as his fastball, which is kind of rare. Um, he avoids contact. He doesn't walk guys. I think that's the big thing. Whereas Barrios, he's had a tendency to get hit hard. He has a tendency to get hit pretty consistently on a basis. Where whereas Lopez, he's able to miss bats. He's able to avoid the big barrel of the bat. And I think Pablo Lopez, to me, is is the one that that gets the leg up on this round. That's interesting. I think that's one we're going to look back at later on down the road too. Yeah, I think that and our first round, Corbin Burns, Shane. <laughs> um, matchup. I mean, those yeah, two are going to be once five years right. on the line. We'll look at. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think Pablo Lopez, give credit, does have the potential to do that. But, I mean, not a lot of pitchers in the game do what Jose Barrios does, you know, every year. Even yeah. if the numbers aren't crazy good, he's still throwing 200 innings. And that's true. And, that's you know, his, his, his uh, performances through the first four months of the season are always stunning. And it's always kind of in that last, you know, month, month and a half that fall off. And so it didn't look like that happened with the Blue Jays. So we'll have to see if that's maybe a Twins thing because it definitely could be. <laughs> we, know, we know that. The competition gets tougher in the AL East. We'll see the true side of Jose Barrios, and exactly. he's a fierce competitor. So we'll see. Uh, so mm-hmm. on the other side of the bracket, we've got the five-seed Logan Webb with the Giants going against the 12-seed Alec Manoa with the Blue Jays. Um, Robert, you kicked this one off. I would pick probably Manoa on this one. I think Webb has really good breaking stuff, and that's definitely a good pitch for him. I'm not sure his fastball sinker is going to be as elite, though, down the road. I think hitters are going to adjust to it, whereas his breaking stuff is his better his better pitch. It's interesting because both these guys rely on the sinking fastball, but I think Manoa, because of his bigger build, he can throw a much higher velocity with fastball like Lance Lynn did later on in his career. He's a big boy. He's just going to have to learn, and I think his breaking stuff is potential of being elite so i'm gonna go with manoa on this one i'm gonna go manoa as well um i think a lot of people were impressed with what he did this this uh debut season frisbees Um, and you talk about that frame and definitely could build into some better velocity and i think uh he could be uh number two behind burrios for the blue jays for for years to come and uh, that's not to take away from what you know Logan Webb did with the Giants and gross. even in the postseason yeah. too for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's a big part of that rotation just completely turning around in 2021. Um, but I'm going Manoa. Nick? Yeah, like you said, I think it's hard to ignore what Webb did in the postseason. I think that's always something to look at in a pitcher's makeup. But I think Manoa and just, I mean, his presence on the mound, like you said, it's it's bulldog-ish. It's like Lance Lynn. It's, it's scary. He wants, he commands the 
commands the at bat, and I think that's big for a pitcher. I think that's important when you look up a makeup as a pitcher. He has the stuff. He's not just tossing fastballs up there trying to get guys out. He's he's got the stuff to get guys out. Um, the concern is that he does get hit hard, and he does not get as much whiffs as he has been in the minors. So we'll see if that pans out or anything. But uh, I like Manoa here. I think he's got a better future in hand than uh, Webb. All right, let's go to the Frankie Montas versus Tyler Glasnow matchup here. Six against 11, Montas being the six, Glasnow the 11. Um, Nick, we'll start with you on this one. Uh, Glasnow, seems like he's the most opinionated pitcher on the on the Stitches panel. Um, I like him a lot. I think he has a good fastball-curveball mix, even though, Robert, you have uh, different words than this. Um, to me, I think he, he has the stuff to be elite, and I think he has proven that with his numbers. It's the health. It's coming off the injury, which is the concern. Um, Montas has done it too. I think he has, he has, he has some, the solid numbers in um, Oakland. Um, whether he gets moved or not, I think that's another big concern. His, his fastball has been great, but uh, to me, I don't think his changeup is enough. I think it, it, it's this changeup slider, it's, it's, I mean, changeup sinker is kind of, it kind of sits too much in the zone, and that's the concern for me. He's 28. I don't think he has much time now, whereas last time I think he, he, he's been hitting his stride. And I think pitching in a, for a team like the Rays that notoriously has solid pitchers, um, I know I knocked him earlier for 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 Boz if he's going to be a five inning guy, but I think Glass now has has the makeup to to go past Montas and for their for their future careers. Uh, Robert, you've been one of those guys who have made Glass know a very polarizing figure on this yes. podcast. And but do you think he's better than is... Frankie Montas? Not really. No, I think they're very similar. I don't like the mechanics of Glass. No, he is te- definition of max effort. Don't like a lot about him. Don't like his makeup. I think I already mentioned that. But Montas, really, the only thing about him is his splitter is his only out pitch. He doesn't really have anything outside of that. It's a really good, devastating, hard splitter, but the consistency is not there. However, Glasnow's injuries and the fact that he doesn't throw a lot of innings, it's not just because it's the race. It's because of his injuries as well throughout his career. It's very concerning talking about a career-long um, future Hall of Famer, if you will. Some of these guys could be. But I don't think Glasnow's even going to get sniff of that. I think Glasnow's been overrated since he came up with the Pirates, and I think he stays overrated on this bracket. I'm going with Montas, and it's not by a lot. You mean it is by a lot? No, it's not by a lot. Oh, so it's because, a close one for you. Because Montas really isn't wow. that much better when Glasnow no, is healthy no, no, no. and he is doing his no. stuff. To me, to me. You know, I'm a yeah, big Montas you, fan, you. so it's I, different. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with Tyler Glasnow. Um but I think he could have gotten upset a lot, or not upset because he's the lower seed because of his injury <laughs> this year. But I think he could have lost a lot of these matchups in his bracket. But Frankie Montas, um, he hasn't. He's been pretty consistent, but he hasn't put up any like amazing numbers. Like he's good, mm-hmm. and like you said, Roberts, because he only really has that that one pitch, and he really can't take that step to being really really good until he develops a second out pitch. Um, yeah, he's more destined so, for a high leverage bullpen down the road as he gets older. Which, yeah, that, that's mm-hmm. what I see, too. I mean, that splitter is really devastating. But Tyler Glasnow, the injuries are holding him back. And I think that I would have counted that against him in a lot of other matchups in this bracket. Um, but I think even when he's healthy and even what we saw this year might be you know just as valuable than a Frankie Montas consistent type pitcher. I mean, 1.88 ERA with all the strikeouts that he had. Um, I mean... 
we're talking or a 2.66 ERA. Sorry, I was looking at a different stat. Um, and yeah, he he only pitched you know a few months this year, it's 14 starts. But um, <clears throat> I think you know if he has even a season where he's like more than halfway healthy for the season, he's more valuable. And so I think that's more likely than Montas taking the next step. So I'm going with Glassnow here. So Glassnow wins that one. Um, to the other side of the bracket, we've got a Shane McClanahan, another Rays pitcher, is 11 seed against Lucas Giolito, the White Sox uh, pitcher here. Um, I'll go first on this one. Um, I, I think Lucas Giolito, um, you know, I, I like Lucas Giolito a lot. He's, he's the guy that's kind of revolutionized the changeup. He throws the high changeup a lot, and he gets a lot of, you know, swings and misses with it. But I've also liked Shane McClanahan in the past, as Robert knows. I think he could be a really good starter, but I don't see that happening unless he improves his fastball. His fastball gets hit pretty hard. Um, he needs to show improvement there first. He also needs to maybe find a way to use it less and rely on his breaking stuff. Um, so for that, I'm going with I'm going with Lucas Giolito on this one. Maybe just surprise us some because I've talked about McClanahan in the past, but I think Lucas Giolito has been pretty consistent and he's actually been elite. At points too so going with Giolito Robert yeah uh, I'm a White Sox fan but I've never been super super keen on Giolito I think he's good and I thought he was better than a lot of twins pitchers when we had the twins and White Sox debates but McClanahan has the definition of what nasty looks like a lot of good stuff yes his fastball might get hit hard but because he has such good movement with it it's something that is definitely a work in progress that can get better Whereas Giolito, to me, his slider's overrated, his changeup might be pretty good, but his fastball's also overrated. It just kind of sits there on the same plane, and it's easily hittable. And I've seen a lot of blow-ups with Giolito, and that's why he doesn't get very good in the postseason. He gets rocked. He's not that He's not that star-studded pitcher that everyone was hoping he'd be when he was drafted in the first round by the Nationals. So I think McClanahan is the easy one for me, just because all of his pitches are way nastier than anything Giolito puts in his repertoire. All right, Nick, you break the tie. Wow. Um, gosh, I don't think Giolito is as good as, as he's projected and as he's been predicted to be. Obviously, he had that really rough year. Um, but to me, the fear is with McClenahan, if, is he going to stay as a starter with that fastball? He already is dropping it a lot. And I disagree with that. Um, I think he I think, will go I think the slider. Too. I think yes. there's potential the slider is going to yeah. overtake the fastball with usage, which is my concern. I think he's going to go to the pen. I think mm-hmm. that's a – that's a, that's where he's bound. That's where I have to take Giolito in this for me. I think he he's been a starter. He's obviously not going to go to the pen anytime soon. Um, and I think he's he's a changeup is nasty, whether people figure it out or not. Um, it's still throwing people off. So I to me, I think that the the changeup is just just good enough to push him past um, McClenahan in this. Robert, you're on the losing side. Man, Man maybe, I just we've can't got six win. more matchups. Yeah, like, I tried. Matchups. I tried. Jeez. Yeah. So, all right, we uh, the next one we're gonna go to the back to the left side of the bracket. We've got number three seed Aaron Nola against number fourteen seed Jack Flaherty. Nick, let's uh, have you kick this one off. All right, um, I think Flaherty has had a really good half of season pitching. I think it was lights out. I have to go with Nola on this. Um, I think he's proven to be elite at times. Um, he doesn't. He, this past season, he barely walked anybody and kept his strikeout numbers high. Um, he has a, a, just a great fastball curveball mix. Um, to me, Flaherty is just—he's been 
pretty wishy-washy. He's had injuries. Um, like I said, he's had a really good half season. Um, other than that, he hasn't been what you expect out of an ace um, for the Cardinals. So to me, I'm going to have to go with Aaron Nola. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a big Cardinals fan, and it's been frustrating watching, you know, after that half season of Flaherty where he was just absolutely dominant. He has been super inconsistent. I mean, even this year, we're talking, you know, 3.22 ERA, but, you know, StatCast says that's kind of misleading. I mean, his expected ERA was 4.92. He lets up a lot of hard contact. He also had the injuries this year. Whereas Nola's kind of the opposite picture. Um, you know, he has really good peripheral stats, good strikeout numbers, but he ended up with a 4.63 ERA. But StatCast says it should have been a 3.37 expected ERA. <laughs> and so <clears throat> I, I, I am picking Nola here. I love I love Flaherty. Um, I just don't think Flaherty is. I think the one half season has kind of overrated him, if that makes sense. Because if you look at the numbers beyond that, it's not super impressive. And he also has injury history. So Aaron Nola for me. Well, I lose again. I was gonna go with Flaherty on this one, and the reason being, I don't really like the fastball curveball combo by Nola. It's amazing how his numbers are so good because his stuff does not correlate to what the numbers say. It's funny how you mentioned his ERA was 4.63. I look at him as a high 3 to low 4 ERA guy because I just don't think his stuff is that amazing. But yet the numbers are there and they still are consistent. And yes, he is consistent. But I just think Flaherty's upside is better. I am worried about his injuries, of course. But I think Flaherty's slider plays a lot better than even Noah's curveball does. Sorry, man. This is a rough one for you. (laughs) It is. This is not going well. Give me one, please. I don't know if this is the same on the last one, if we disagreed with you on everything. Well, you and disagreed I, with me quite a bit. I feel like that's kind of the story It's of the pretty podcast. common. It the is story pretty common. Yeah. Yes. We had Noah, I too. So we, I think we had some ties. And we we had did. To like, we did didn't we do Noah. coin flips if we had ties? Yes, yes. So at least we don't, have, we don't have flips or so anything like that. No, we don't Stupid have to do coin that. flipping we did yet. <laughs> Canadian coin. The oh, yeah, you guys thought I was I was rigging it? Whatever. Bring it back. All oh right, let's go to uh, Dylan Cease, the three seed against the fourteen seed Aaron Savali. Robert, you uh, you know Cease on your favorite team, the White Sox, and you love Aaron mm-hmm. C- Savali. Yeah. So you I take think this Aaron one. Savali is going to potentially become what Zach Greinke was uh, when he came over to the Diamondbacks and then transitioned into with the Houston Astros. But I don't think he's better than Dylan Cease upside, and it looks a little bleak right now because we look at Cease's numbers and we say, okay, he led the league in strikeouts. K per nine wise, and that's that's pretty impressive. But outside of that, he's still got control problems, command problems, but his stuff is so good. And even though his body is him being so tiny, he's not a big pitcher in size, he's able to throw 98 with one of the nastiest knuckle curves you're going to see. And it's just so gross. And I just have a hard time going against it, whereas Savali relies so much on his fastball and cutter, and I just don't think it's going to last long because Savali does get hit hard. Whereas Cease misses bats, and I think that's when you talk about upside, you talk about guys missing bats, and there isn't much better than Cease out there right now in baseball. I'm going to go with you on that, man. Uh, so I, there is someone who agrees with you. Uh, Dylan, Dylan Cease, is, uh, he's got higher upside. And you know, Robert, you know I like Aaron's follow. You both do. Yeah. We have mm-hmm. an American League only fantasy Command, team league, and we're always the two that there. are going after him. So, mm-hmm. and I trade you trade him to me this year, and he let me down big time. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's how it goes. And I, I think Cease has just insane upside. The floor is, you know, the floor isn't super low because I think the strikeouts will keep him there. Um, and he's got, you know, that nasty fastball. His slider has a fifty percent whiff rate, which I think led the league in terms of breaking balls. And obviously he led the league in strikeouts. 
But for me, it's the step that he took from last year to this year. Um, you know, he did struggle, or over the last two seasons, I should say. His, his rookie year, he had over a 5 ERA. The next year, went down to 4.01. This year, 3.91. But the walk rate from last year to this year cut by 4%. Strikeout weight jumped up to 31% from 17% last year, which the, the 17% strikeout rate was a really, really big puzzle to solve. Because a guy with that kind of stuff should be getting a lot more strikeouts. And he put that together this year. And so I, I'm only excited to see what is to come for him. If that's the step he takes in two years, let's see what he's like three, four years down the line. Yeah, he's better than Giolito. People have been saying Giolito is better, but I've been saying Cease for years. I think Cease is just that good. Nick? Yeah, what the call it a sweep here i really i think i just echoing the same thing you guys said savali's he, he's great he's kind of the the going back in time kind of pitching he's not doesn't have a great fastball it's not electric it's not it's not cease like but he gets guys out um but the only concern obviously is cease has so much potential like you guys said and his only downfall right now is the is the walk uh walk rate and i think that's something he could potentially get down in the future if he spots the fastball a little bit better, which he easily could. Um, it's such a elite and electric pitch. Um, the, like you said, the knuckle curve is is one of the best in the game with the spin rate. Um, so I have to go with Cease just because of the upside. Savali's fun to watch. He's he gets guys out, but I just see it, he's going to start getting hit eventually. And I think we see with the peripherals, he's pitching about a, an ERA lower than what he's expected to. So Cease finally put it put it together this past season and i wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't repeat it this upcoming season and to be fair i think savali is the guy who's always going to outperform peripherals because he's a kind of a more yeah. pitch to contact he's just reliable pitch. yeah he's reliable and it's that's what you know i compare that to jack flaherty who i didn't like with his peripherals because he's a guy who needs peripherals he's not a that's not mm-hmm. really his type of game his pitch repertoire he relies on strikeouts and so uh, savali doesn't and so i don't think the peripherals mean as much for him but you know i'm in agreement on everything else there nick obviously um, next one is uh, Shohei Otani at the 10 seed, kind of a wild card in this one against the 7 seed Freddie Peralta. Um, I'll I'll go first on this one. Um, Shohei Otani is the uh, the better pitcher in my opinion, but we're talking about a guy who pitches every sixth or seventh day, maybe, and probably will end up in the bullpen if it works out with his playing in the field type deal. So um, I've got to go Freddie Peralta for that reason. Peralta put together an amazing season, so I don't want to take away from that. Um, he's finally kind of put together the starting role that you know he's tried to carve out for for a few years. Um, but it's more about Otani not having the consistency as a starter. And um, you know, I, I don't know if it will work out with him in the bullpen. Although I think that's where, if he was a full time pitcher, he would need to end up. But it's hard to do when you're in the field as a bullpen pitcher. It doesn't really work out that way unless you move. I don't know. There's there's technical stuff to that. Um, I just I don't see his long term future as a starter in the big leagues. Um, you know, obviously he's an amazing offensive player, um, but yeah, where does he fit in the rotation? I don't know. So I'm going Peralta on this one, even though I don't think he's the best pitcher out of the two. Robert. Yeah, that's my biggest concern with Shohei too. But you guys know I'm all about the Japanese pitchers, and I believe his makeup is off the charts. It's one of the best makeups you'll ever see in baseball history. 
So that alone tells me that he has potential to be a fine starter. I don't think he's going to get very far in this bracket, but I do think he should beat Freddie Peralta. To me, Freddie Peralta is a guy who's going to move to the bullpen in a few years because his slider is so devastating, but his fastball is going to start getting hit. It's a good fastball, but it's not an elite fastball, and I don't think it's better than even Shohei Otani's fastball or splitter combo. Nick? I have to go with my man Peralta. I loved him this year. I was big on him coming into this year. And I think that I echo what, what Luke said with Otani. It is the fear that he's not going to last long in the starting rotation. Um, per, I mean, Peralta still has that question mark if he's going to end up being a, 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 a long relief swing man because he's done in the past and he did well. But Otani, I think just with the wear and tear eventually, if he's even asked to stay as a starter starting every seven, six days, I think Peralta has the leg up on him. And I think... I think he has a better fastball than Otani. Otani has a has a lot of velocity on it, but Peralta's fastball doesn't get hit, and neither does his slider. And I think that's I, I don't I don't see it getting hit anytime soon. It may not be as as have much as a velocity as Otani's, but it has much better spin rate. It has much better movement than Otani's. So to me, I have to go with Peralta on this. I I just love what he does. I love his fastball slider. I think he's in a good position in in Milwaukee with with the pitchers they have. Um, whereas I mean, I don't like to say Otani's going to be back because he doesn't have any pitchers around him, but he's the ace of that staff right now, and he's also one of the better hitters. So I think there's a lot of pressure on him right now. Man, I wish I had Noah here. I need I need ties or something. This is crazy. Yeah, maybe better luck in the <laughs> second round or in these last two I matchups. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, Robert. Um, let's go over to uh, Shane Bieber as the 10 seed for the Indians against the 7 seed Max Fried for the Braves. Uh, Robert. Why don't you start this uh, one? Bieber, and it's not close. Yeah, I I was going to say the same thing. We're talking about yeah. a Cy Young winner who had a bad injury year. Um, so, yeah, Bieber here. That's why he's a 10 seed. He'd be a 1 seed if it was last year. Nick? Yeah, it's Bieber. Okay. Well, let's save some time on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> last two matchups. We've got Julio Urias, the 2 seed, against Tariq Skubal, the 15 seed here um this one i don't think it's very close either julio urias is um has really been a, a force for the dodgers his last four, few years Trey google um, wasn't super impressive in his rookie year for the tigers um but obviously he's got some good upside too but i don't think it's as high as urias as our or as high as what urias has already shown so urias for me you guys agree any dissenters i should say yeah, me. I would say Tariq Skubal wow. because I think his stuff is really nasty. I mean, it's it's up there with Shane McClanahan. It's disgusting. He's got something with his changeup and his fastball plays incredibly well up in the zone. Yes, we know about his walks, and it's it's a little bit questionable if those mechanics can actually go in and work because we've seen an issue with Mackenzie Gore as well trying to kind of mimic Kershaw and hasn't had the mechanics where Skubal's having the same problem. But if he can kink that out, I think his upside is potential ace for the Tigers because Casey Mize, to me, as we've already talked about, isn't the ace. And I think Skubal could move into that area, even with Erod's fizzling out in the next few years after that big contract. But that's a whole different story. Skubal, to me, just has really nasty, filthy stuff. And it's just hard because you just don't know if he's going to have the command and control. Whereas Julio Ruiz, he's a great command guy, but he doesn't really miss a lot of bats. And I think he is a good pitcher. Like, he's complete. But I think Scooble's upside is enormous where he could even be better than Cease or as good as Cease. So I'm going to dig into this one a little bit more because I'm mm, trying to sure. figure out where you're coming from. Yeah, what, I mean, it's, really it's more of the could... eye test. I think it's the eye test. I think you got to watch Scooble more. I watch a lot of Scooble, and I'm telling you, his stuff is really good. Where Do you really think he can get to the level Urias is at? 
or he has sure. been in the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Because you said he doesn't miss a lot of bats. He had 195 mm-hmm. strikeouts last year. Yeah. I th- the 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 thing with Arias is is he. It's I think a slider plays talk, really well. I think we always talk about the the peripherals with him, but he has one of the best chase rates in baseball, and I think that's indicative that he's going to start missing bats. I mean, he has missed bats. I mean, uh, that's almost a ten. Well, he does, I mean, he doesn't have nine. a huge whiff rate, but I think it's 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 gonna get even better. I I mean, I love school, but I think he's I I when you when you pointed out to me his 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 mechanics, the way he hides the ball, it's elite. It's something yes, different. It is. But Urias had a had a sub well, three ERA well this year. Too. I don't think Scoobo is going to ever hit a sub three ERA. Urias has never really pitched way out of his mind when you when we're talking about peripherals this podcast he's never pitched out of his mind compared to his peripherals I I think Urias is even going to get better he's 25 years old right now he's he's pitched in the postseason um he's pitched out of the pen I think he has enough experience that that Scoobles I, I just don't see Scoobles catching up to what Urias has done and what Urias has in the future I just don't like Urias's fastball long term. I don't think it plays very well. It's not as sharp as Scoobles fastball and I know it's hard to say because as you get older you lose velocity, but Scoobles his mechanics are a little bit more funky and the fact that he can hide the baseball even though Urias does hide the baseball pretty well too. I just think you guys need to watch Scoobles a little bit more and maybe you would have a little bit of an interest and say okay, maybe I might change my mind even though I know you'll still pick a Urias, but I think you would appreciate uh, you would appreciate Scoobles a little bit more. I mean, they're the same age right now, and you look at the list of our accomplishments already, mm-hmm. and I don't yeah, even think Scoobles going to reach that in his career. I mean, yeah. Urias had a two, 2.98 ERA, a th- sub-3 ERA. I don't know if Scoobles going to get that. Um, the only thing that impressed me Scoobles is the strikeout stuff. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he gets hit pretty hard if you look at the numbers. His barrel percentage is like bottom pretty 10% of the league. Um, I know it's his rookie year, and I do like his swing and miss stuff. Uh, I don't know. It's tough. I don't know. As of now, I just don't. I, I see. I, you're, I get with, it. I get it. You're the he looks eye more test. like a polished pitcher. He looks. Ruiz looks guy. like a more polished pitcher. I totally agree with that. I just don't think the finished product is there. And then maybe you'll change your mind when you see it. All right. Well, let's move on to the last matchup of the first round, oh, and it may be the spiciest because, uh, well, I'll explain it to you after you go. So number two seed is Brandon Woodruff, for the Brewers, against his fellow Brewer teammate Aaron Ashby. It's 15 seed now. Uh, a little backstory on this. Nick and I lobbied Aaron Ashby to not even be on this bracket, but Robert was all over it, so that's why I think it's to be a little spicy. And we, I like, you know, I let Robert, you know, he, he knows his he knows his <laughs> stuff. So I'm like, all right, we'll leave Aaron Ashby on it as a 15 seed uh, against Brandon Woodruff, who's also a spectacular pitcher. Um, so that's why Ashby's on it. So if people were wondering, that's Robert's thing. Joe Ryan would have been on it too if it wasn't for us. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> Robert, since this is your matchup, man, you, oh you start this and, and tell me what you think about these two. Yeah, I think they both have similar combos. I just think the stuff, if you look at the eye test, kind of similar to Scooble. You look at the stuff, Ashby's stuff is a lot better. We haven't seen it all put together as a starting pitcher. We've seen it more so in the bullpen. But a lot of stuff moves. His fastball's really good. He doesn't have to clock it at 98, whereas Woodruff needs a, a little bit extra oomph on his velocity. I think the movement's better with Ashby. I think Ashby has the cleaner mechanics, even though Woodruff's is very simple too. I just think he has more of an arm and a leg, hides the baseball better. Ashby has potential to become a very, very good starting pitcher. Unfortunately, we only see Woodruff for what he is right now, and that is the good side of it. We haven't seen Ashby's peak, and I think the peak, just like I said with Scooble, Ashby's peak's even better than Scooble's, and I think Ashby has potential to really become the ace of the Brewers, if Corbin Burns does uh, kind of, 
I don't want to say fizzle out, but does kind of start declining because he's a lot of max effort in his delivery. It's it's a close one for me because you are looking at the consistency and Woodruff is starting to get into that mold now. But Ashby just has electric stuff. And even out of the bullpen, I think he's still really good. Nick? I know you guys are going to disagree with me on this one. And that's fine. I like I, get it. I like Ashby. I, I I mean, I like Ethan Small a little bit more than Ashby. Um, that's a different argument. But uh, <laughs> I think Woodruff has has elite stuff. And I think that the addition of that curveball with how good that curveball was this past year, I mean, his changeup's always been good. His fastball's been good. He's been, always been an underrated pitcher. But I think the addition of that curveball, I think it just adds to adds to his, his, his repertoire. I know he's 28. I know he's getting older. I know Ashby's starting to come into the game and I, I I get that and that's that's part of the concern but to me Woodruff's had had in three ERA the past couple of seasons he had an amazing year this year um so to me Woodruff gets the gets the nod yeah man I mean maybe we should have a separate prospects bracket or something someday. <laughs> no it's okay I want to look back at this a few years because, but I think you guys are going to get this one uh, you know wrong. it's tough to project Ashby right now I mean it can be yeah. even if you look at his statistics this year and I know it's an eye testing for you Robert but he had mm-hmm. two just complete blow-up appearances and then he had a couple appearances where he let up two earned runs in relief but other than that he's pretty good you know the strikeout numbers were pretty good too and everyone remembers his debut so that hurts him a lot the seven earned runs I think in like Two and, thirds of an inning. And it's funny because mm-hmm. I looked at the stuff and I'm like, yeah, you might have got rocked, but I'm looking at the stuff and I'm like, this guy's going to be so good. It's it's so overlapping when you look at the negativity and not see some of the positivity that could really grow out of him. Yeah, and if you somehow snuck in as like a 10 seed or something, you might have gotten a better matchup because Woodruff is just <laughs> nasty. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 211 strikeouts this year, 2.56 ERA. I mean, he was a scion contender alongside his team. It teammate. took him a while to get into where he is, though, and I mm-hmm. think that's a little bit concerning for me longevity, uh, for his longevity throughout his career. I think he is going to slow down a lot faster. Sure. And I get that, and that's one of those ones we're going to have to go back to. I mean, you got to do like a revisit podcast. We do. We need to revisit these. So after yes. five years after our five first years. one, five it. years that's after right. this one, we'll <laughs> try it. it. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, Robert lost on all of his picks, but second round might bring you yeah. more fortune. Hey, I convinced you guys with Cease. I mean, I'll take it. Cease is great. I like yeah, Cease. Cease is good. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, that's the first round done and dusted. It took us, you know, 50 minutes, but we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, second round, well, you know, there's, there'll be more debates as we go along. Usually the first round, there's only a few because we've got the easy ones. But we've got people we've got to include because they're good. Yeah, we're going to dive more into the second round. Yeah, second round, and even like stats. once we get to the third or fourth round, yeah. then that's where it gets really good. And then that last yes. round is always really fun too. Yes. Um, so mm-hmm. stick around. If you didn't think there's a lot of debates on this one, you know, we had a few, but there'll be more in, in the second round. Yeah, and we'll crush. be back next week with it. <laughs> We'll send out this updated bracket so you can see it on our Facebook page. You know, I'll send it out a day or two after this gets posted so that people have to listen first. Um, but, yeah, I, I hope you enjoyed. We'll be doing this. You know, give you some lockout relief. And um, make sure to follow along. We'll be here on social media at Stitches Pod on Facebook and Twitter. And our email is the Stitches Podcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, talk to you next week. Take care.